Welcome, everybody. This is Chris Carlson. Welcome to this edition to the DI Guys podcast. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Mike Cogdell. Mike, how are we doing today? Chris, I am fantastic. Thank you. I had the opportunity. I always like to tell a little about myself to take my youngest. Her name is Lulu, nine years old at the Beaver Creek to go skiing for the weekend. Get her a lesson to make her a better skier sooner or later that she'll be better than father. And as they say, both days were bluebird days. Beautiful spring skiing, not a cloud in the sky, and the most beautiful part was no wind because wind is my enemy. So I had a phenomenal weekend, so this week I'm energized and ready to go. Well, Mike, you're more energized than the stock market because today we had a dip of, uh, what, almost a little over 1,900 points. They you know, froze the market for a period of time. And it made me really think about the challenge that financial advisors are having in this particular period of time of the, of the uncertainty that's going on. And we talked before, you know, this too shall pass, but I'm always mindful that for those people who are dependent upon the ups and the downs of the market for their compensation, the gift that keeps on giving is that disability insurance renewals that keep those renewals keep on coming no matter what the marketplace is doing. So I realize that might be a little bit self-serving for a couple of DI guys and certainly don't wish anything bad on anybody's finances, but it's one of those things that we have, have preached for many, many years that having that component in your practice can be really, really important when times are challenging. Chris, that's a very good point. So what, you know, just to reiterate what you just said, I find it interesting that uh, let's just say that I make $10,000 a month with AMUs or AUMs, excuse me, assets under management. And we're looking at a 20% loss in the market and I make $10,000 a month. I know that you don't even need a calculator for this, but let's just say that I'm across the board because I don't think anything is, I don't think you want to be a stock, individual stock picker this week. Um, so if it went down 20%, approximately, what's the possibility of my income going down by what? $2,000, right? So I went from 10 to 8 because of nothing I did. Because you didn't cause it, right, Chris? Uh, no. I mean, I think you are ground zero for the coronavirus. I'm not sure because you do live in Kirkland, Washington, or very close to Kirkland. But so far you've told me you're good, so you're not ground zero. But at the end of the day, you did not cause anything in the market to move. That's correct. So the exterior forces that you just alluded to have cost you $2,000 a month for absolutely no apparent reason for all the hard work you put in. You're, you're exactly right. And, you know, Mike, you, you talk about ground zero and a lot of the news that we have here in the greater Seattle area you know, we have some big technology companies, i.e. Amazon and Microsoft, and just to name a couple. Is there and, a coffee company up there too, by chance? Yeah, there's a coffee company up there too. Yeah. And there's, hmm. there's, 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 there's a quite a few in this area. But what, what really struck me with all the news is these, the bigger companies like an Amazon, like a Microsoft are asking their employees to work from home. And, and th there was an article today, I believe in the Wall Street Journal that addressed this issue. And what what I'm hearing anecdotally and what I'm reading and what I'm seeing on the news is the millennials, it's not even a problem for millennials. I mean, this is, you know, they just keep on working. Some of the older employees, haven't they're having a hard time with it because they, they're just used to getting dressed, getting in the car or getting in their public transportation, getting to work, being in an office, and having to be in that office to be successful. Yet the millennials are so adaptive to this. Which really, as I was thinking about what to talk about in today's episode was that concept of the millennial worker, because you and I have been to many conferences 
where people are throwing up their hands when it comes to trying to engage millennials regarding risk management products, specifically income protection. So maybe what I would do is just kind of ask you what you have seen in your travels and then how you are coaching advisors to deal with millennials when it comes to risk management and income protection. Chris, that's a great question. To step back for just a minute, you you mentioned, I'm not telling anybody my age, is that okay? Uh, you're just uh, you're young at heart, brother. Yeah, young at heart. Thank you very much. But it reminds me of a meeting that I had in Seattle with you a month, six weeks ago, and we were out having actually we actually talked about business most of the time. And we met an insurance broker who's probably early sixties. He only goes into his office. He doesn't go out and see people. This is just I find humor and everything. He doesn't go see people, but he goes to his office every single day. Chris, what was that sixty-one-year-old man wearing? Suit and tie. Yeah, I mean, was he dressed to the nines? Looking good. As they say. And what was he going to do all day? Sit in his office and work on the computer or talk on the phone. Correct. In all fairness, could he have been in his pajamas to do the exact same thing? Absolutely. Yes. So when we talk millennials, I actually will talk out of um, jealousy that I'm not one. I think this generation... I'm not going to be Tom Brokaw and call, you know, the ever diminished the World War II generation, the greatest generation. But this one is right there in the hunt. I'm talking about the way millennials are responsible and the gig economy, which, which is a constant conversation about, I want my education my way. I want to earn my money my way. I want to work for whom I want to work for, when I want to work for, how long I want to work there, and so on and so forth. Uh, do you, would you say that's a fair statement in today's world of that particular group? Again, we both should be a little bit jealous. But wouldn't you say that's a fair assessment of the direction that the group that we'll just refer to as millennials is going? You know, Mike, it's a great point. And what the stats tell us is the baby boomers, which you and I fall into, over our working lifetime, we were going to have five jobs in our working lifetime. The millennial generation is going to have seven careers in their working lifetime. So it really dovetails into what you just said. They're going to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, with who they want to do it. It's not like our parents' generation where you started with a company at either 18 or 22, depending if you went to college, and you stayed there to 65, got the gold watch, and retired. Completely different in the generations. Well, historically... I would say it's a fair assessment to say that that generation right now does not know what a defined benefit plan means. Would you say that's fair? Exactly right. And for those of you that are are brokers that are in that, a defined benefit plan was a promise to pay for life. Service from me to, we'll call it XYZ Motor Company in Detroit, Michigan, I worked for 30 years and then they promised me a portion of my salary for the, for the remainder of my life. No questions asked. Chris, do you know anybody that offers a defined benefit plan or has not frozen it? And we know a lot of people work for a lot of huge financial services companies, which are some, are, are best known for benefits, right? Absolutely. Rich in benefits as if you're a financial service organization for your employees. Do you know any that really have defined benefit plans? I tell you, Mike, to your point, I knew a lot that did. And they have, most of them have frozen uh, those defined benefit plans and gone to some other form so they can have predictable liabilities as opposed to the unpredictable liability. So 
I think that that's a long-winded answer to say is, you know, most of them are going by the wayside. And, and for that reason that, you know, most financial services organizations, most I say, are, are, are publicly traded, fair? Yep. Well, as you just alluded to, that that liability on the balance sheet that's unknown makes weary analysts, right? Absolutely. In other words, how much are you going to owe all of these people in the future? Because it could affect stock price. Well, Mike, I mean, just as, as kind of a, a sidebar here, you and I used to work for a company that was dealing with that. This goes back, what, five, six, seven years now? Oh, absolutely. And, and they saw that, and they started writing letters to everybody saying, hey, we'd love to give you a whole bunch of money right now and buy you off. And, and you know, to them, it was like, boy, we don't want that long-term future liability. We'd rather take the, the short-term hit right now. And anecdotally, you and I know a lot of people who took advantage of that because that upfront cash was really attractive. It was good for the company because they reduced, probably didn't eliminate everything, but it reduced significantly that uncertain long-term liability. And in the simple to that, and then we'll get to millennial specifically and, you know, your own job, but specific to that is these Plans such as the defined benefit plan and all the rich benefits. If you built this thing in 1940, I believe if you fast forward to 2020, I would say life expectancy has changed dramatically from 1940 to 2020. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I don't have the statistic in 1940, but in 1900, the life expectancy in this country was 49. You know what? And I beat that there. Now you guys know that I'm older than 49, but I beat the life expectancy of 1900. So I'm in a good place. Let's talk for a minute about job to job working. Remember, every millennial is doing nothing different. If you listen to our previous podcast, they're running a business. It's a different kind of business than I know, but I'm beginning to get a better understanding of how things work. Is it fair to say that they're still doing, you know, the number of careers you just mentioned, careers, not jobs, because I've really been in the same profession since I left the military in 1987 and met you, but you take that. What, what is the focus to this day still of no matter how many careers, how many jobs or how old you are, what's the focus of the work? You still want to get paid. You want to get paid. So let's give an easy example, an easy example of how to, again, open the income protection, disability insurance conversation to somebody like this. And believe it or not, this could happen at a microbrary. It could happen just about anywhere. It could happen playing beer pong. It could happen playing shuffleboard, which I really do like to do if I'm in a, in a microbrewery somewhere. Um, it can happen anywhere. It can happen walking out of church. It, when you're talking to somebody, it's like, how you doing? Um, remember, we're, we're always going to talk about complimenting your potential customer. You want them as a client. Right now, if they're not yours, it's a prospect. One of the great places to go here, though, is existing clients because this is something you may have overlooked. So it's an easy step back for you. Say, hey, I listen to a podcast. Nobody's going to dish you for listening to a podcast or listening to a TED Talk, which I listen to lots of TED Talks. And in 15 minutes, I take away a nugget every single time. Now, if I could incorporate all the nuggets, I'd be probably a way better person than I currently am when I'm trying. <laughs> that, be <laughs> that being said, you're talking to somebody and it's like, if you say, how's work going? It's like, oh. You know, God, you must be crushing it. All you have to do is to ask somebody if they're crushing it, and most people will get around at some level to give you an idea of how much they're making. 
they may say, you know what? I'm killing it. I've made enough to take a two week trip to Japan. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I'm going to take, I'm going to stop this job. I'm going to get a new one when I get back. I've got a contract for May 15th and on April 20th, I'm going to Japan until May 10th because I have job lined up when I come back. More of the world again that I'm jealous of, but that's the world we live in today for younger people and the way they're establishing and building a career. Because you know what? They're building a career. And as they say, they're building their brain. I never branded myself. Did you? No, wasn't smart enough. No, well, we didn't even know something like that existed. But in today's world, you're building your brand. Even your reputation is building your brand. That you know what? You're going to expect people to call you to do work versus you have to call them because you're going to get so good and we know people talk. Even in today's world, people talk. So you're talking to this particular client. We'll make it a 29-year-old young lady that's graduated summa cum and has done all the things and is doing her own thing in the field of technology. Let's just make it easy. Stereotypically, yes, but let's make it easy in technology. And it's like, yo, so you're doing well. And by where people live, Chris, the cars they drive, I don't care what world we live in today, cars maybe not so much. It might be a Prius or it might be a Tesla. Um, and there's a huge expense difference between the two. But it kind of tells you the nature of the person, that they're environmentally conscious about oil and everything else. So we get that piece. But where somebody lives, what they're doing, and it's not always it's not always a guarantee. But you can get around to the point of income, and you can go, you know, God, you must be just crushing. If you don't mind me asking, how well are you doing? And you know what? I've yet to have someone tell me the exact amount. But when they say six figures, do you understand what that means? Got that. And I have more people than not will tell me, well, I'm, I'm, I'm over six figures. I've also over 49. So I've every now and then been stunned by that word seven figures. Do you know what that one means? Got that one. That means I'm out of my league. But anyway, <laughs> at least from an earnings perspective. But anyway, that being said, it's like, you know, let's talk about $10,000 a month. Let's just use, are you okay with an arbitrary number of 10,000 a month earnings? Let's do that. Yeah. Because 10,000 is easy math. And then you know what? You, as you in the, in, in the listening audience, you would want to use the same number, just 10,000. Whether somebody makes six, five, four, or 20, it's relative. So this is all, it works the same way. So you're currently earning around $10,000 a month, and I'm making that an assumption. And you're doing the exact, and you're doing your job and you're doing it right. Everything is perfect. You know what? You have another contract, so you can stay in this particular contract um, if you want at 10,000 a month. If somebody came to you and offered you a contract Exact same work, Chris. Are you with me? Exact. Nothing is okay. different. You're going to be doing the same thing, working the same hours. There's nothing changed. But instead, I'm only going to pay you $9,800. Where are you, what are you going to do? What's your decision? All other things are equal? Chris, right now, everything that you and I are discussing is equal. I mean, if I can get 10 versus 98, I would take that. I'm assuming everything else is equal. Okay, so... That's where we are right now. You're taking the 10. Yep. Can I put a twist into the job just a little bit? Okay. All right, here. I'm going to restate the entire job so we remember exactly what we have. Everything is perfect. The jobs are identical. Everything is the same. Nothing in your life changes essentially except for 10K to 98K with one exception. Are you interested in what the exception is? Sure. I'm trying to figure out why I would take $9,800 versus 10000 this will only take us a minute and listen carefully. Uh, it's, it's relatively simple and this is how it works. You have a $10,000 a month job and it's awesome. You go to Winter Park, Colorado skiing and you bust yourself to smithereens. I'm sorry I'm always hurting people skiing, but I have experienced it firsthand more than once. So you 
you have a $10,000 a month job and you know what? You're going to be laid up for I have no idea how long. So can I just make you hurt or sick indefinitely? Because we just don't know, right? You okay. busted up a, a bunch of stuff. Okay. So that $10,000 a month, this is what you will get. The job is over because they can no longer employ you, correct? Yep. So what you would receive going forward is no money, zero. Does that make sense to you? Yep. No money. Now, the other job you have that you took and you had that job, unfortunately, the exact same thing happened up at Winter Park, Colorado or any ski resort in America. The exact same thing happened. You tumbled and you tumbled good. You got hurt or sick and you are going to, again, be unable to work. Got me? I'm with you. Okay, so you're you're unable to work, and I'm going to say that, again, you're going to not be able to work indefinitely. The one that is $9,800 a month actually is going to pay you around $6,500 a month. Get this part. Interesting interesting in today's world. Income tax-free until you're 65 years of age or until you go back to work full-time and fully recover. Now, I ask you, $9,800 a month, but in the event you get hurt or sick and you can't go to work, you're going to get, because you are... You are di disabled. You are not unable to, to perform your job. You just can't do it, and we don't know for how long. We will ensure that you get a check for $6,500 a month, approximately tax-free, until, again, you return to work on a full-time basis or you reach age 65. Now let me ask you, for that $200 a month difference, which job do you think you would rather have? I like the sound of the 6500 versus the zero, that's for sure. Well, Chris, you currently have the $10,000 a year job, or 10000 excuse me, $10,000 a month job, excuse me. I can give you the $9,800 a month job with the $6,500 a month tax-free in the event you get hurt or sick. Would you like to pursue that farther with me? Yeah, I, I definitely need to know more about it to, to see if it does make sense to go that route, Mike. Chris, do you mind if we get together the first part of next week? It's only going to take 10 or 15 minutes. No longer than that, and I will show you the options for job B. We can sit down, make a decision together. Actually, it's always going to be your decision. It's not for me to spend your money. But I do see a problem here, and I have a solution to the problem. And would you be interested in going down that path, just to reiterate? Let's do it. This is known as job A, job B. You currently have job A. I will give you job B. So that, Chris, took us three minutes. I actually took a little longer because I wanted to fill in the gaps where what we were doing in the concept. The last thing I would say about job A, job B is when you ask the question, which job would you rather have, what has to happen, Chris? I, I have to, to, to eventually believe that this is important to me. Correct. And so what that means is you as the broker cannot say a word, fair? What do you always tell me, Mike, who speaks first loses? He who speaks first loses. And sometimes it seems, especially for a person like me, that 10 seconds is about a month. But trust me, you will get, you will either find a person that's rather sincere about, because you want a client here. You don't want just a customer, you want a client that's sincere about what they're doing, or they're rather insincere, or they didn't grasp, grasp, excuse me, your concept. You know, Mike, it, it's a great point, and, and the, the thing that is very important, you know, there's, there's an old expression, some will, some won't, so what next? And so we're not going to convince everybody to do it, and, and, and convince is probably the wrong word. We need to present them with a compelling reason to, to move forward. But I think sometimes people try an idea that you and I share, and maybe it doesn't go as well, and they, they just throw up their hands and say, well, the heck with it. It, it doesn't work. 
nothing works 100% of the time. And so, but, but, but when you do this over and over and over and over and over and over again, like we know people in this industry who do it, it's like water off a duck's back. It just flows out. People, the overwhelming majority of people say yes. Some say no, but they move on. Doesn't make the, the people who say no bad people. It's just that they don't see it right now. And Chris, again, you're going to hear the word from us as we close this session today. Practice. Go to a couple of friends and say, hey, I, I, for my profession, for, 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 for my advancement in my profession, I'm going to do this with you. You don't even have to ask them to buy. You, they, tell them their practice. Your significant other, anybody like that, even if you've got a child that's mature enough to understand finances, which could be 14 or above, or well, mind, I have an 11-year-old that would understand this, absolutely, because she lives with me. Practice on this a few times with some people before you go out and do it. You can do this to any person in any profession in the world. It resonates with somebody that has more of a, we'll call it a blue-collar job, as it does a pediatric neurosurgeon. It doesn't matter. With that, Chris, I'd like to thank you for your time today. It's always fun working with you, and enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah, likewise, Mike, and for our listeners, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. So look forward to our next episode. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Chris.